But I'm excited to speak to you guys tonight. I just want to speak to you about something that the Lord has been teaching me. And full disclosure, these are not like the deepest, most original thoughts. This is just something that the Lord has been speaking to me over the summer. I wanted to share with you. And most of the thoughts are from this book. So if you're like, I would like to hear these thoughts better, right? Then read read this. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Um, so full credit to him from any deep thing that you hear in this message. Cool. Um, but sometimes it's helpful to share what we're learning, and it doesn't always have to be like original, right? Really, it shouldn't be too original because it all is coming from the Bible if you're hearing it in Chi Alpha. Um, so as we jump into this, I want to ask you guys, just thinking to yourself, how would you describe yourself? If you were just to describe yourself as a person sitting next to you, would you describe your likes and dislikes? Would you maybe start with your hobbies, your major? Would you talk about your hair or your aisles, your eyes or your style, your aisles? I don't know what that is. There's probably going to be a lot of that tonight, so just laugh along. It'll be good. Would you talk about your hair, your eyes, your style or aesthetic? If someone asked you, who are you at the very core of your being, how would you answer? If you were to look past the outward appearance and interest into the very center of who you are, how would you describe yourself? Now, taking that same idea, how would you describe Jesus? It turns out that we're pretty good at describing his likes and his dislikes. He didn't like sin very much, right? And he was really not a fan of those Pharisee guys. We know that he was a carpenter, so we can describe what he did. He wore sandals, so I'd say he had a desert aesthetic. <laughs> All of these things are good to know, but sometimes we fail to look at the very core of who Jesus is, and if we get that wrong, our whole perception of him will be skewed. It's very important for us to know who we are following. So this has been something I've really tried to focus on this summer, and the Lord's been encouraging me as I've read and I've studied, so I wanted to share that with y'all. This week and next, we're going to look at the, who the Gospels tells us that Jesus is. Tonight, we're going to look specifically at who Jesus says he is when he describes himself. So we're going to look at just three verses in Matthew 11. It's Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is what Jesus says about himself. And in this book that I referenced, St. Ortland's book, this is what he says about this passage. He says, my dad pointed out to me something that Charles Spurgeon pointed out to him. And the four gospel accounts given to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters of biblical text, there's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. We learn much in the four gospels about Christ's teaching, read of his birth, his ministry, and his disciples. We're told of his travels and prayer habits. We find lengthy speeches and repeated objections by his hearers, prompting further teaching. We learn of the way he understood himself to fulfill the whole Old Testament, and we learn in all four accounts of his unjust arrest and shameful death and astonishing resurrection. 
but in only one place, perhaps the most wonderful words ever uttered by human lips, do we hear Jesus himself open up his very heart when he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In this one place in the Bible, the Son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is. We are not told that he's austere and demanding in heart. We're not told that he's exalted and dignified in heart. We're not even told that he's joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And this is super important because if we're going to follow Jesus, we must know who we are following. Now, when we talk about Jesus' heart, it's important to know the idea is different than how we would describe our heart today. If we say heart, you're probably thinking like Valentine's Day and like I love you with all of my heart. And when we say that, we usually mean affection, right? Or lovey-dovey stuff or, or like good feelings, whatnot. And that's part of it, but the word here is cardia. That's in Greek. Cool. I'm going to confess to you guys, I've only ever heard Greek actually spoken once, and it was when a girl, I flirted with a girl's boyfriend, didn't know she was dating, and her brother cussed me out. Okay? So I probably pronounced that Greek word wrong, but you can read it up there, and you can get the just. I only read it. I don't pronounce it, and I don't read it well, but I look it up and see what people say who do read it well. Cool. So, cardia, or however you say that in Greek, better. Um, and the, what this means, it literally means our heart, mind, character, inner self, will, or intention, and sensor. It's effectively the sense of our being, the capacity of moral preference. So it's that thing that produces our desires, the thing inside of us that makes us tick and establishes who we really are. That's what Jesus means when he says, my heart. When he's describing his heart, it's like the whole inward inside of him that makes him who he is and makes him do what he does and compels him to live the way he lives. So Jesus is not just talking about his emotional feelings. He's talking about the thing that makes him tick. And that center of his whole being, the center of the whole of who Jesus is, is gentle and lowly. And I don't know about you guys, but if I had thought about this before really um, looking into it, I don't know that I would have thought Jesus describes himself with these two words. But in the Gospels, this is the one place that he describes himself, and these are the words that he chooses. Right? So it's really important for us to grasp this. So the word for gentle here is the same word we see in the Beatitudes when it says the meek shall inherit the earth. It's the same word there as meek. And so in the Bible, this doesn't mean weakness, but it refers to exercising God's strength under his control. So it's demonstrating power, but demonstrating power without undue harshness. And so it's a blend of gentleness and strength. When we say that like we're gentle, it means that like he's, he's soft with us, but he's also strong, but he doesn't have to be, but he chooses to be. We need to know that Jesus is gentle. His strength is expressed in control without any harshness. So many of us have grown up with this picture of Jesus, you guys, that is anything but gentle. We've grown up with a picture of Jesus that is harsh or easily offended, easily put out. But instead, he is gentle. He's the most understanding person 
in the universe. And the posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. I don't know about you guys, but that's good news to me. And that's not what we hear sometimes, certainly not what you see sometimes when you go on social media and people are like saying things in the name of Jesus, but the way Jesus describes himself is with this gentleness. And he wants us to understand it. And then he describes it gentle and lowly. So the meaning of the word used for lowly is one that overlaps and interweaves into the meaning of gentle. This is the word that's most often translated in the Bible as humble. If you were to pick one single characteristic to most describe Jesus, it would be that he is humble. And you guys that have been here for a minute, you've probably heard me teach on this before because I think this is so important. We so often miss it. Jesus is humble. It might be hard to think of him as humble or lowly, but think about it. So he's God incarnate that we're talking about, who left his throne in heaven to be wrapped in human flesh, go through the birth process, which is not, like, is beautiful, but is also not beautiful. I've had three kids. Let me tell you, beautiful is not the word. Okay? Not the word. Um, he was wrapped in human flesh. He was born, and he was born in a stable, right? He was born in a place where animals eat their food. And he lived as a son of a carpenter, a blue-collar worker. He could have chosen to be born into a palace. Instead, he was welcomed to the world where these animals ate their dinner. And he came to love and save people who so often, then and now, reject him and disregard him. Jesus is humble. And you guys, like, think about it. Because sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah, the Christmas story, he was born in a manger. But I'm going to share this with you because it, it really just changed the way I think about it. Several years ago, when we were back in Knoxville, and Thomas was, like, this big. He's this big now. But he was this big. He's our oldest, okay? I was sitting, and I was reading him this tiny kid's book about the Christmas story. And he had picked it off a shelf. He's sitting in my lap. And, you know, he's, he grew up in church. He grew up going to ministry with us. And he heard about Jesus his whole life. He was like, Jesus is the king. Jesus is the most important thing. And these are the things that he'd internalized in his little toddler mind. And so he's this big. He's sitting in my lap. And I start to read the Christmas story. And he grabs the book out of my hand. And he throws it down. And he goes, it's wrong. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I mean, it's not, you know, and me, I'm like, it's not quoting scripture, but the story is correct, you know, like, like a three-year-old cares. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm sharing, and he goes, no, it's wrong. A baby should never be in a barn. And like, so to a tiny three-year-old mind, he grasped that why is Jesus in this humble place? And so we had a conversation at that point, I realized I needed to be on a three-year-old level about how, like, Jesus, who is the king and who is the most important thing, was born in a barn where animals were kept. And he just could not get over. He could not get over it because he's like, that seems so wrong. But Jesus chose to leave heaven and leave his throne and come and enter into, like, human messiness. And he entered into human messiness even in a humble way not just he humbled himself enough to come be with us, but he humbled himself to come be with us in like, just like a super average, basic life. He didn't live it up, right, while he was here. He was just like an average dude. And like, that should speak something to us. That should show us that like, 
man, when we are living it up, when we don't have money in the bank account, when we don't have like all of the fancy things that this life offers, Jesus gets us and he's like, yeah, that's how I live too. And so he loves us, but he, he's like with us in that humbleness, in that lowliness. The fact that Jesus is humble also means that he is accessible. Jesus isn't high and mighty or too good to talk to us. He doesn't push us aside until we get our act together. He is lowly, and that's the crux of his entire being. And we can see this is true, not just because he described himself this way, but because he came to earth to pursue relationship with us when not one of us deserved it. So why is this important? Why is this important? It's important because we so easily forget who we are following. We so easily forget who we are following. You guys, I did. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the sordid details, okay? But, y'all, we had a bad summer. Like, a bad summer. It was so hard. And I, I mean this truthfully. I could not have predicted how my life could blow up so entirely in such a short amount of time. But it did. It was a hard summer. And in the midst of that, I started to, I'm going to confess this, I started to mistake Jesus for being like his people. Because things were hard, and people were like trying to give advice and trying to speak into it. And in the midst of all of the chaos of it, I started to think that like Jesus feels about me like his people feel about me. And there were well-meaning people in the midst of all the things that were happening that said such hurtful things. And I'm not going to go into it because my heart is not fully there. <laughs> okay, to repeat the hurtful things and be at a place of forgiveness. So we're not, we're not going there. Okay, but there were well-meaning people and they said just hurtful things that I'm not done processing. There was so much bad advice. There continues to be so much bad advice. And my life felt and still feels like chaos and confusion. But then I would sit down with Jesus, literally in the middle of this raging chaos. And I remember there was this, this morning that I was bawling my eyes out. The girls were still in bed. Matt and Thomas were in Egypt. I didn't go. I was looking forward to going, but I wasn't there. And I was sitting at my kitchen table. They actually weren't in Egypt yet. They were in Paris. And Matt sent me a picture because I had said I want to see and I, I kind of did, but then I learned I did not. I did not want to see. So he sends me this picture of him in front of the Eiffel Tower, and I just start weeping. So I was like, Lord, this is not. This is not supposed to be my summer. This is not supposed to be my life. This is not like not any of it. And so for a moment, forgetting, I'm mad at God because like I'm assuming He's going to treat me like His people have been treating me. I just forget, and I start weeping, and I cry out to the Lord, and I'm like asking him about this, and the Lord just so simply reminded me in the middle of it, hey, I love you. And it's not super deep, is it? It's not like some magical wisdom that makes all of the bad things go away in the blink of an eye. I would love if he had done that, but that's not what he did. But he just so gently reminded me, I love you. And it was everything. It was everything. Because while it didn't change the entire situation, it helped my perception start to shift. And I was reminded that though people are kind of like, 
Yikes. Y'all know, sometimes we go through situations and like you tell somebody about it and then they start to like, you ever been there? Right? People are like, yikes. Jesus is never like, yikes. We never come to him and he's starting to be like, oh, I don't know if I really want you to talk to me about this. We come to him with our mess and he's like, hey, I'm here. And he's leaning in. Right? His people might be leaning away, but he is leaning in. And so my perception started to change that Jesus' reaction to my mess was not the reaction that I was experiencing from people at all. That he was right there in the middle of it with me, and I can trust that he's gently going to guide us through. And he has gently been guiding us through. And even in the moments since, when things continue to be super hard, and I don't feel him or see how he's working, because it isn't every moment that I'm like, yes, I feel your presence, and I see why you did that. Y'all, I got no idea. We've lived an entire summer, and there's still things that I'm like, show me how you're going to redeem that, God. I dare you. Right? Like, I'm, not, I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see how you're working. Right? But even in those moments, I can trust that he loves me and remind myself that he's so gentle and humble and loving and understanding, and he's not going to forsake me. He's not. And so maybe you can relate. This is why I'm sharing this. Maybe you can relate. Maybe there have been well-meaning people who have said some pretty harsh things to you. And while you didn't mean for it to happen, those things have clouded your vision of Jesus. And you've begun to think that Jesus is like his people. He's not. Right? When we look at the Bible, we're supposed to be like him. Not tell people he's like us. And we cannot confuse those. We're supposed to look like him. Okay? We never need to tell people Jesus thinks like we think or wants to do what we want them to do. That's getting everything mixed up. Right? But maybe you can relate to that. Or maybe you have a complicated relationship with your parents or family. And you don't mean to, but you assume that every authority figure will ultimately feel, feel the way about you that they did. And it's made you feel like Jesus feels this way towards you. Because you guys, sometimes we have like a messed up relationship with our mom or dad or grandparent or aunt or uncle, and we start to think like, well, they think that about me. That's how Jesus feels about me. It's not. It's not. People are always going to be fallible, even the best of them, even the best ones. They're still going to mess up sometimes. They're still going to misspeak. They're still not going to get it right. But that's not Jesus. Or perhaps you went to church and the teaching was harsh and it skewed your perception of who God is. It's not everywhere that you go and you hear an encouraging message. Sometimes you go and you hear something really harsh and you don't know what to do with it. Right? Or maybe you hit a place during COVID lockdown where all you saw was hateful words and angry people and it's hard to conceive that anyone would be welcoming or understanding or accessible because you guys, somehow, I don't know how it happened, and I don't know if you can remember a time before it, but I can. But, like, the world got really mean. It got really mean. And all of a sudden, it's like, we have to share our harshest thoughts out loud with our friends and on social media and all of it. And, like, why? Like, why? You know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really need to know that that person feels so passionately about laundry detergent. <laughs> right? Like, it's just, like, everything. People got mean about everything. But it clouds our vision because then we start to think that, like, everyone feels this way. 
And then we start to think God feels this way. And we can't let that happen. Please, please, please do not let the, these things and the way people have treated you shake your understanding of who Jesus is. He is so much more. He is gentle and lowly. His arms are open to you, and he wants to be in your life, whatever your life looks like right now. It might be messy. It might be squeaky clean, but he wants to be a part of it. So the beginning of our passage offers one important note about who Jesus is to us. He is not this way to just anyone, but to those who come to him. He says in verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. This is an invitation for us to come to him, to get to know him, and to experience him as our gentle and lowly Savior. And so that's the, the part of it where we respond, as Jesus invites us to come. He's waiting for us to move towards him, and then he wants to meet us with understanding and compassion. So we're going to pray, and just take some time to process this. And we're going to pray. There's three things we can pray about, okay? The first one is maybe your perception of who Jesus is has been skewed, and you need to just take some time to pray with someone or to soak into God's presence and be reminded of who he is. Maybe you just need to sit with him and be like, Jesus, remind me what your heart is towards me. And we need to do that every once in a while, because sometimes we just... We get off and we get messed up and we need to be reminded. The second thing, maybe you've never come to Jesus and made him your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never come to a place where you're like, hey Jesus, I'm going to give you a try. I'm going to trust that you did come to this messed up world and you really were born into a barn, to a virgin, and lived this sinless life and died on the cross for my sins. And then you were raised three days later, and now I can trust you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that tonight. It is literally the most important decision you will ever make. And three, maybe you've been spreading a false perception of who Jesus is to others. Maybe you've been the angry person. Or maybe you've been the person giving advice that, like, maybe you should have just sat and been with them. If you haven't modeled Jesus' gentleness and humility in your life, I, take, I invite you to take some time to get with the Lord and ask him to help you more clearly represent him to others. So we're just going to take a few minutes, and Kimber's going to play a song, and I'm going to ask um, she and Natalie to come. And if you would like prayer for any of these things, I'm going to pray a general prayer. And then if you'd like prayer for any of these things, I invite you to just come meet with one of us, and we'll pray with you. Or if you want to pray just on your own in your seat, you're totally welcome to. Lord, you see us. God, we thank you that you are gentle and you are lowly. And God, you invite us into a relationship with you. God, we thank you that you don't treat us the way that people treat us. And God, you want our perception of you to be clear. So Lord, I pray that tonight you would work in hearts and minds, and God, you would just give us a clear picture of who you are. God, help us to know you as you really are to know you. God, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name.